Hi, welcome to church today. The message you're about to listen to came from a recent gathering at our church. Be encouraged as you enjoy this message. I am speaking on the Feast of Tabernacles. So I want to get that up on the screen. Elizabeth is working with me. And um, so, oh, this is beautiful, of course. I don't have to turn around. Um, And basically, eventually, this morning, I just put it into a PowerPoint. I started it yesterday, and I just put it into a PowerPoint. You are smiling, Dominic, because you know that that's the way my brain thinks. So I think graphically, you see, and I've got to have graphics up. Sorry, guys, this is going to really, but apparently I've got to do this. Mark says I have to. (laughs) And he's just reminded me that I wasn't. So, guys, I, I want you to see this that the Feast of Tabernacles was one of the three major feasts. And all the Jewish men had to go from wherever they lived in the whole of Israel. They had to go to Jerusalem. And they had to uh, honor the Lord in the three feasts. Why? Because the three feasts were harvests. So Passover feast was the wheat harvest. Feast of weeks, which is what we celebrate as Pentecost, barley harvest. Today, wow, I say today, sorry, Feast of Tabernacles, okay, which stretches over X number of days, that was the great harvest of all the fruit and veg. And so primarily grapes and the, all the beautiful um, produce from the fields. Now, I sort of re- really excited about this, okay? Um, and Annie, Annie, are you here? I saw you earlier. Yes, there she is, and her two beautiful girls. Um, she introduced me to the most amazing, um, uh, um, beautiful uh, Messianic Jew. He loves the scriptures. And on, at, at each of the feasts, because Anna, Annie um, it sort of said to him, she's safe, let her come, <laughs> I think. <laughs> he invited me to come to his teaching about the Passover and the Feast of Weeks. And about 10 days ago, I went to, 11 days ago, I went to the one on the actual, um, um, uh, the Feast of Trumpets. So it's just been wonderful for me. And next, next Wednesday, he's doing one on Feast of Tabernacles. It's been wonderful for me. But Cass, do you know what's come out of it is, I know I'm a Gentile. And it's made me realize all the more the incredible grace under which I operate through the blood of Jesus. Do you know what I mean? We have the mark of his blood upon our foreheads. And God, so we are sealed into God. Amen. And so I know that last year, and I think that's what got Annie going. Last year, I shared a bit on the Feast of Tabernacles, but I did it more from the Old Testament view. And I'm going to do something different today. I'm going to say... Where are we now? And let's look ahead, okay? And I feel incredibly comfortable, and and I I feel incredibly confident about what Lord Jesus has done for us. So my confidence isn't in me. My confidence is in the Word of God, and in the testimony of Jesus, and in the life of Jesus, and His death, and His resurrection. Amen. So it's just glorious, guys. And then what I want to see is, what are the prophecies that Jesus came through with? Because if Jesus prophesied them, you know that they are going to come about. Amen. 
So we, you've got to really just change gears because this has been rather a longer introduction than I expected. We've got to change gears and we've got to start going for it, okay? Because I know what the time is and I know what the timetable says and I'm very aware of it, guys, okay? But this is Feast of Tabernacles. So now I'm going to, I'm just going to digress. No, I won't, not for a moment. Okay, so we're going to look at the first slide. And the first slide is simply a little timetable because we have a calendar that's based on 12 months and the Jewish tradition is to have a calendar that is based on the lunar cycles, and so it's every 28 days, okay, related to the new moon. And this is the month where we celebrate the Feast of Tabernacles. So I want you to see that Wednesday, the 20th of September, which is last week. And if we just pick up that next item, um, there we go. So there's Feast of Trumpets. Started on the eve of Wednesday, the 20th, and extended through until 6 o'clock on the 21st. Then we have the Day of Atonement, which actually began on Friday night on the 29th, and um, it uh, continued through until the 30th. And then we have the Feast of Tabernacles. Now, Feast of Tabernacles is an eight-day feast, okay? And so you would celebrate at the beginning, eve of the 5th of October, and all the way through until 6 o'clock on the 12th. The 12th represents the 8th and the final day of the feast. Now, just amazing stuff, because that was the day that Jesus stood in the temple, and he said, if any man is thirsty, do you remember that scripture? Come on, let's go and have a look at it. John chapter um, 7, and let's have... Look at verse 30, I think it's 37. Now, on that last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and he cried out and he said, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture says, from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. But this, he, by this he spoke of the spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive. For the Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified, says John. Now, John wrote this after Jesus had been glorified and after the Spirit had been given. You see, so he's trying to explain, you know. When Jesus said this, the Holy Spirit hadn't yet fallen on the day of Pentecost. You know, so so we, we sort of, we kind of see that, okay. So now, I want us to look at the next slide and I want you to see that we've got three events that we're looking at. That's what we had on the calendar. We had the, um, uh, the Feast of Passover, the, sorry, sorry, the Feast of Trumpets, the Day of Atonement, and the, um, the Feast of um, Tabernacles, or booths. Sometimes it's called booths. And I want you to see the three areas that I have aligned to it, and I'm totally confident that I can do this. And so when it comes to the Feast of Trumpets, we're looking at judgment. When it comes to the Day of Atonement, we're looking at sin. When it comes to the actual uh, Feast of Booths, we're looking at abiding. Now, that's according to Anne Bellingham, but actually it's according to the Scriptures. I'm taking that slant is what I'm saying, okay? And so, guys, those are the three areas that we are going to look at, all right? Now, when it comes to the Feast of Trumpets, I think that in the Gentile church, we have got this concept of, you know, 
The trumpet blows and we all get raised in Christ. And I don't want us to lose that, okay? But we've got a romantic notion about what that trumpet is doing. And what we see is that it actually is looking at judgment. It's not looking at what we would have thought of, which was, oh, yay, it's the rapture. It is looking at that as well, but we've got to see the broader context. Because if anything has come out of this year, it's that I want the church to be grown up. I want the church to mature in the understanding of the fulfillment of the Old Testament scriptures, because all of the Old Testament scriptures are pointing at Jesus, guys. Okay? If you get lost in Old Testament surveys so that you're not seeing Jesus, then you're not having a good, solid teaching. Do you know what I mean? We've got to see Jesus in every scripture in the Old Testament because his life was fulfilling what we have in the Old Testament, okay? So the life of Jesus fulfills the three big feasts. And when we look at the Feast of Tabernacles, we've got this breakdown. Great. So now for every festival, three things. A, you would be remembering the past. So that was why they were always remembering that they were going to, they were going to be in booths for eight days or tabernacles, tents. And many times, um, even today in Jerusalem, you will see that people will erect a kind of a, a tent um, or um, like, what do we call it? But on their, on their patio, say. And then they would spend time in the patio under the, and that would be their booth or their tabernacle, that, that kind of thing. And what are they doing? They're remembering back to the time when they lived in tabernacles in the desert. Okay, so that's glorious, guys. But then what we saw a moment ago was Jesus on the last day stood and said, you know, if any man is thirsty. So for Lord Jesus, he was looking beyond canvas tents. He was looking at the tabernacling within. And he was saying, within, guys, within. Is there a thirsting going on? It's interesting, isn't it? You know? So, okay, so then the second thing that we want to look at is the first coming of Jesus. I've already been stressing that. We want to look at the property. And then the third thing that we're looking at is where do we find in the second coming of Christ, you know, the, the, um, the fulfillment of the, uh, the Feast of Tabernacles. And notice my big star there. You know, let's celebrate Jesus. Amen. We're celebrating the Christ. We're celebrating the anointed one. We are celebrating the Messiah. And I know I go on and on with the names of Jesus, but guys, it's because there's so much richness in the names of Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. So I am not going to go first to first to trumpets, then to atonement, then to tabernacle. I'm going to start with the atonement because it's central. The focus of the atonement is that we are looking at what Jesus did for us, okay? As our high priest, when we have the Passover, we're looking at how the blood of Jesus means that the angel of death passes over us. But when we're looking at the atonement, there's a richness added, guys. And that richness is that our sin is totally dealt with. I see, in the old days, so let's go to that next slide, Elizabeth. Um, oh, yes. And so if we just look at the whole Hebrew bit there, I had to show you that I knew what the Hebrew word was. Kepha, okay. <laughs> Can't speak Hebrew, wish I could. 
But that actually means, and I don't think you can read that, so shall I read it to you? It means to cover, specifically with bitumen. So if you think of a tent, if it gets covered with bitumen, no, I shouldn't say tent. Okay, let's think of back at our homes. You know often how you have, I've got one, like a little, oh, yes, like a shelter over the front door. You know, so a porch, yes, yes. So some people have elaborate porches. It just depends how much, you know, finance you got. So I've just got something so that people don't get drenched when they stand at the door. <laughs> but guys, it's got a bit of bituminized material across the top. And it means that when people stand under the cover, the water doesn't come through. Do you know what I mean? Because it's tar. So that's what the blood of Jesus does for us. Totally covers so that we are not vulnerable. And it's not to the elements, it's to the enemy. Amen. Because our sin is dealt with. That's why it was a bit rough that I said day of atonement, sin. I was going to put sin cleansed, and then I thought, no, we're too grace orientated. Let's put sin. And my whole concept was to say, it's okay, guys, you can relax because the blood of Jesus is that kafer covering, which is going to make sure that our sins are completely and utterly covered and dealt with. And in the Old Testament, they only knew about the covering. When we see the new covenant that Jesus um, cut in, 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 um, with his blood, what we see is, is that the blood not only covers our sin, but removes our sin as far as the east is from the west. Isn't that just amazing, guys? Absolutely amazing. So I've got my favorite diagram. It's coming. It's Moses' tabernacle. And what you can see... Now, you know, I, thought, I looked at it this time around, and I thought, I need to explain that diagram. Do you understand what I'm trying to do there? Huh? You do understand. Okay, so I can, I can wing it now. So the last time you saw it, it had little people. So the first little group of people, I'm going to have to come here. The first little group of people only come as far as the brazen altar. Now that's where the blood of the sacrifice, that's where the animal got slaughtered and the blood got caught. Elizabeth, there should be some little men. There they go. There we go. That's, That's the whole of Israel. I did not dare put ladies there for the old covenant, okay? So that's the whole of Israel coming with their sacrifice that they have played for so that the blood can be taken to the brazen altar. Who was dealing with it? If we go to the next group of people, it's the Levitical priesthood. When we look at the, the, the um, labor, then that was where the priest washed their hands and got cleansed. It's those same four little graphics. In other words, that's the Levitical priesthood. When we look at the next section, we discover that there is the high priest or the high priest representative, maybe one of his family, who was going to go daily and deal with ensuring that there was enough oil for the seven-branch candlestick, that the bread got changed on the table of showbread, and there was the altar of incense to make sure that there was sufficient of the incense so that there would be the sweet-smelling sacrifice. Then we have the veil, the wavy line is the veil, and then the yellow box represents the Ark of the Covenant with the mercy seat on top of it, okay? 
Now that glorious song we were singing just before the offering about Shekinah glory, wow, Gus, that's where the Shekinah glory would come through. Thank you, Lucy. There was just the sensitivity of the Holy Spirit for you to choose that one. And it's just glorious, guys. So now, what I want to show you is, what tribe did Jesus belong to? Judah. Jesus could only come this far. So when he came to Jerusalem three times a year, sorry, when he went to Jerusalem three times a year, he could only go as far as the brazen altar and then his lamb that got slaughtered, the blood would be collected and the Levitical priest would take it. Now, who are we talking about? We're talking about our high priest. But you see, at that point, the revelation was he was of the tribe of Judah. Now, I want you to, okay, so it's just amazing, isn't it? It's just amazing. I don't have to teach you about the high priest because Rod has done that, okay? So let's go to that next slide. And what we see is there's the blood being um, taken to the altar by the high priest once a year, guys, on the Day of Atonement, once a year. And that was a cleansing of all sin, unintentional sin, intentional sin. It all got cleansed. And what God required was that the high priest only, not a member of the family, only the high priest could go within the veil with the blood, the atoning blood. And he had to take that atoning blood and he had to cleanse every single one of these articles of furniture. So where we look at the brazen altar, the brazen laser, seven bronze candlestick, table of showbread, table of incense, all of that had to be cleansed with the blood. And then the high priest would go beyond the veil and he would sprinkle blood on the mercy seat. First for himself, so that his cleansing was dealt with. And then he would go with the blood from the animal, the ram, that was representing the unintentional and intentional sin of Israel. And it would go through and he would sprinkle. And that dealt with sin. Now, I saw a beautiful post from Annie on the CCF website where she said, we should feel completely different at the, day, at the end of the Day of Atonement to the beginning of the Day of Atonement. And she was referring to the fact that on the Day of Atonement, you knew that all of your sins were washed away, well, were covered, you know, in the, in the Old Covenant. In the New Covenant, we know that all of our sins are completely and utterly dealt with. So what do we do? Do we wait for the Day of Atonement? No, because we are under grace and we are under the New Covenant and Jesus is our atonement, and he has gone through, guys. Amen. Amen. And so I want us to have a quick look at Hebrews chapter 8. And you can tell that I'm really doing an overview here from the middle of the Feast of Tabernacles. Okay. So we're looking at an overview of the atonement. We're going to look at an overview of trumpets, and we're going to look at an overview of tabernacle. And in um, Hebrews and the, the reason why you haven't got scriptures up on the screen, so that means you've got to open your Bibles, I know. But otherwise, just listen to my voice. I know that it's a real switch on. 
<laughs> Sorry, guys. I, I, I'm not being irreverent. I just, I know that it's terrible if you are a person who likes to read. But Elizabeth and I decided that it was more important for me to have the graphics up. And then she can't switch easily to the scriptures because PowerPoint wasn't letting her build in the uh, other sort of area. Okay, so just, just forgive us for that. But these are five very important verses. Now, the main point in what has been said is this. We have such a high priest, talking Jesus, who has taken his seat at the right hand of the throne of his majesty in the heavens, a minister in the sanctuary and in the true tabernacle which the Lord pitched, not man, the heavenly tabernacle, not the earthly. And whether we're talking the tabernacle or the temple, just see it as one, okay, for the purposes of today. Verse 3, for every high priest is appointed to offer both gifts and sacrifices, so it is necessary that this high priest also would have something to offer, this high priest that we're saying, Jesus, who went into the heavenly tabernacle. Now, if he were on earth, he would not be a priest at all, since there are those who offer the gifts according to the law. In other words, he wasn't a Levite. He was of the tribe of Judah, okay? Verse 5, um, the, the Levites who serve a copy and shadow of the heavenly things, just as Moses was warned by God when he was about to erect the tabernacle. For see, he says, that you make all things according to the pattern which was um, shown you on the mountain. But now we have obtained, he has obtained a more excellent ministry by as much as he is also the mediator of a better covenant which is enacted on better promises. Amen. And that's Jesus. That's our Lord Jesus. And he is Lord of the Jews and he's Lord of the Gentiles. Guys, aren't we blessed? We are so blessed. We don't have that genetic heritage, but the Lord has said we, are, we have access to this heritage that comes through Abram by faith. And therefore, we are all sons and daughters of Zion. Amen. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Amen. Isn't this worth getting excited about? Oh, I hope you're getting stirred, guys. I have been so excited. There have been one or two nights where I've really not had full sleep because I've been thinking, how are we going to do this, dude? How are we going to do this? I know the Holy Spirit's better at it than me, <laughs> but he's going to use me, and I just wanted it to be good. Amen. <laughs> And then we have a look at, yeah, and that's, an, that's okay. So let's look at the next slide. And now what we're looking at is that we want to see how this works. You know, we've seen Jesus is the, the one. Now come to Revelation chapter 5. Oh, Revelation 5, guys, is a beauty, huh? So what we see is Revelation 4 has been a description of heaven, and there's the, the, the great white throne and, um, and the 24 elders. We know the, the heads of the tribes of Israel and the apostles, you know, for old covenant, new covenant. Whew, wonderful stuff. And worthy are you, in the verse, chapter 4, verse 11, worthy are you, you know, to receive all honor and glory. Um, for you created all things, and for your pleasure, says King James, we were and are created. Oh, guys, the Lord just loves our worship. The Lord loved what happened here this morning. He just loved it. That glorious incense arising. Hallelujah. 
And now we get to five, chapter five. And John sees in the right hand of him who sat on the throne, that's Father God, a book written, sealed with seven seals. And he sees the strong angel proclaiming, who is worthy to open the book and to break its seals? And no one in heaven and on the earth or under the earth was able to open the book or look into it. In other words, nobody was worthy. And at the point where, verse 4, John begins to weep greatly because no one was found worthy to open the book or to look into it. One of the elders said to me, John, stop weeping. Behold, the lion that is from the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has overcome so as to open the book and its seven seals. And I saw between the throne and the elders a lamb, capital letter, the lamb, standing as if slain, having seven horns, seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God, sent into all the earth. And he came and he took the book out of the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And when he had taken the book, everybody falls down and worship. Worships, and they sang a new song saying, Worthy are you, Lord Jesus, to break, to take the book and break its seals. For you were slain, and you purchased for God with your blood men from every tribe and every tongue and every people and every nation. Oh, praise thy wonderful name. So guys, I've got one of my graphics, so here it is. And in essence, that just forgive me, okay, that's, this, these are little pencil sketches I did years ago, and I'm just kind of resurrecting them until I get new ones done. But that's the throne of God, okay, use your imagination, let the Holy Spirit, you know, just create understanding. <laughs> and then I want you to see Jesus coming, and Jesus in this instance is represented by a stick man, and I can, it's coming, it's coming, <laughs> <laughs> but I want you to see that the blood, he is carrying the blood. Is it coming through? No. And um, there he is. There's Jesus. So use your understanding now. And there's the blood, okay? It's coming. It's coming. There it is. The blood of the lamb. Yay. Okay. And, and I know I've shared this before, but I want to share it again. I once had a vision. Years and years and years ago. So I've got to be careful because I repeat the vision to myself and I don't want to add to it. Do you know what I mean? But in that vision, I saw Lord Jesus arriving in heaven with what looked like the most incredible bowl. And in that bowl, and I can't tell you whether it was silver or gold. I would think it was silver because of redemption. But within that large bowl, so I'm doing that to show you the kind of circumference, you know. Within that bowl was his blood. And he was presenting it. Now, that is extra to the gospel, okay? So I don't want you to quote it as gospel fact because it isn't. <laughs> Something that God showed me in a vision. But what I was blessed by was the Lord coming in to present his blood to the Father. And you see, that blood is like taken and sprinkled before the throne of God saying, those who have faith in my blood are worthy to come. Because Jesus has broken through the veil, therefore we are able to come because we are sealed with his blood, guys. Isn't this just the most amazing thing? This is the day of atonement, guys. Do you know that from Friday night, and it's just because I was preaching, 
okay? I'm not, I'm not a holy Joe, okay? And I've, so I've learned that if you try to be self-righteous, you fall on your nose. So don't try that one, okay? So it's, it's just simply that I was aware because I was preaching from Friday night until yesterday, I'd say about three o'clock. Every now and then I think this is the day of atonement. This is the day of atonement. Lord Jesus, thank you that every sin of mine has, that ever has been committed to intentional, unintentional, has been washed by your blood. And when, when one of the mornings when I woke up, I thought, Lord, it's a deep cleanse. It's a deep cleanse. That's what the day of atonement is. It's a deep cleanse. Hooray. <laughs> and we are cleansed by the blood of the G's of our Lord Jesus Christ. Precious. Wonderful. Thank you, Elizabeth. And so now I want us to go to the Feast of Trumpets. Okay, so now the three events, we've gone from the Day of Atonement, which was Friday to Saturday, and we're going back a week to the Feast of Trumpets. And I've got that chauffeur up there because that was something I really learned from Daniel last week or 10 days ago. And that was that the chauffeur is the trumpet that was blown on the Feast of, of Trumpets. Not the silver, not the two silver trumpets. The two silver trumpets were created, they were beaten, and they speak of redemption, don't they? The moment you see silver, you think redemption. Those two trumpets were used to muster Israel together. But when it comes to the Feast of Trumpets, you see the shofar. So that's the ram's horn. The ram had given his blood. Amen. I haven't spoken about the other ram. The other um, ram, they were chosen by Lot, and the second ram was sent out into the desert and carrying the sin. So, I'm sorry, I forgot that for a moment. Okay, but I, w- I want you to see the ram's horn because that's the animal that lost its life. That's the that's the allegory. The the ram lost its life, and you're using that ram's horn uh, for the feast of trumpets, and so. Um, I found that most interesting. Now the trumpets. So I want us to go to what Jesus said, and that is in um, Matthew 24. So he has a prophecy from the Lord Jesus Christ, okay? And this whole chapter is about the second coming, and I am just simply lifting two verses out of it. So, you know, if we, if we were doing a full-on study of Matthew 24, it would be different. But I'm just lifting the, voice, the verses out that relate to the Feast of Tabernacles and particularly to the um, Feast of Trumpets. And um, so we know that the trumpet was going to be um, blown, okay? And I want you to see that in verse 30 it says that Jesus said, then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky, all the tribes of the earth will mourn, And they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of the sky with power and with great glory. And he will send forth his angels with a great trumpet, and they will gather together his elect. So we're talking the saved, the whole church, saved Jews, saved Gentiles. He will gather his elect from the four winds from one end of the sky to the other. Learn the parable of the fig tree. And so when the fig tree has become tender, and we know that Israel began to regather from 1907, okay? So we know that we are in end times. But you see, Jesus prophesied there. He said, there will be a sign in the skies, and you will see the Son of Man return. Wow, 
guys, we better take note. Amen? And it's amazing because it, it, it uses a strange phrase there. It says people will mourn. The ones who will mourn are the ones whose names are not written in the Lamb's Book of Life. In other words, those who have not acknowledged that Jesus Christ is their Lord and their Savior. Now, there's, there's huge amounts that we could back this up with in terms of, you know, when the Jews going to get saved. We know that a nation can be saved in a day. There's, there's loads of stuff, guys. We're not going there, okay? We're just saying we're looking at the Feast of Trumpets. We want to remember on the first day of the new year, of the new Jewish year, we want to remember that the trumpets will be blown. So you see, remember those three points I said? We look back, we remember, you know, we look at the prophecies that Jesus had given, and we look forward, okay? And so trumpets are most important in our lives. I, I really, I couldn't, I've got to just let you know this. I just I thought, okay, Lord, so what about Tabernacle of David? What about the trumpets in the Tabernacle of David? Were they silver? Were they uh, ram's horns? Were they chauffeurs? And what I found was they were both. <laughs> so da- Tabernacle of David is just such a picture of grace, isn't it? Okay. All right. So now the next thing I want us to look at, and this is big stuff. Let's go to Revelation. Because I said the trumpets are used for, ju- for judgment. So let's look at that next slide. And what we see there is that the trumpets begin to blow from... Um, Chapter 8. So um, um, basically, I said that uh, judgments are triggered by trumpet blasts. And so it starts with Revelation 8, verse 7. And guys, let's just get that next set of bullets up, Elizabeth. And that's fine. And there's six trumpets there. We've said seven. You'll see it in a minute, guys. Now, we don't have time because I've used up time. Um, We don't have time to go through these individually. I want you to keep this. If anybody needs these notes, I can pass them on to you, okay? Or I can bring some next time I come. Yes. And so um, I'll just bring um, what's names of the slides. Is that okay? And, and do you mind if they're black and white? Is that all right? Okay. <laughs> Economy drive. Oh, I shouldn't be confessing that, should I? <laughs> True. Okay. So basically... These are six incredible judgments, okay? And it's always a third. A third get wiped out. A third get wiped out. Haven't discovered the significance of that yet, okay? But if you look at this, chapter 8 and verse 2, okay, we start with verse 2. I saw the seven angels who stand before God, and seven trumpets were given to them. So God delegates that to his angels to go and blow the trumpets that are announcing a judgment. And what you can see there is that uh, verse 7, the first one sounded, there came hail and fire mixed with blood thrown to the earth, and a third of the earth was burned up. That is incredible, guys. Think of the fires. See, these are all, that's not necessarily, because what I've seen is the Feast of Trumpets happened and Jesus didn't come back this year. Okay, But you kind of think, Okay, Jesus, if you're coming back, is it going to be around the Feast of Tabernacles? I would say, big hint and tip there. <laughs> and so, really interesting. Mountain, it's, so what I wanted to say was, it's not that this is the last and final year, which sometimes people want to go and announce, 
But these are evidences and signs that we are really getting toward the end times now, when the, the last trumpet uh, shouts. So the mountain, what looks like a mountain, verse 8, ends up in the sea. Now that sounds like it could be a meteor coming down from, you know, because that's how John saw it. He saw this incredible mountain coming out the sky, and it falls into the sea, and a third of the sea life and a third of boats and ships get um, killed. Then the third one is uh, verse 10, and this is the great star again, a meteor that falls down, and this is wormwood, uh, bitterness, and it touches all the water. So imagine if Thames water had to explain why a third of their water was now bitter. And um, verse 4, no, I don't mean that, fourth trumpet, verse 12, Amazing one. Third of the sun, the moons, the stars get darkened is how John saw it. They'd no longer give light. Now imagine the impact on the earth as a result of that happening. A third of the moon, that's going to affect the tides. A third of the sun. So I'm intrigued. And then... um, Now we start getting the spiritual warfare going big time. Chapter 9 and verse 1. Fifth angel sounded, I saw a star from heaven fallen to the earth. That sounds like one of Lucifer's gangs. And the key of the bottomless pit was given to him and he opens it and the locusts get released. And they torment people unless they've got the name of Jesus, the blood of Jesus, sealing their hearts and lives. And... um, And then we go over to, sorry, I've just turned the page. We go to um, the sixth trumpet, which is um, verse 13, chapter 9, verse 13. Heard a voice from heaven. Verse 14, release the four angels who are going to kill a third of mankind. How does that happen? Um, End of verse 17. No, no, it's halfway through verse 17. We have the the names of the uh, actual plagues fire, smoke, and brimstone that come upon the earth. And here's the tragedy, verses 20 and 21. The rest of mankind that were not killed did not repent of the works of their hands so as not to worship demons. They carried on worshiping demons and the idols of gold and silver and brass and stone and wood, which can neither see nor hear nor talk nor walk. And they did not repent of their murders or of their sorceries or of their immoralities or of their thefts. They just carried right on sinning. Pray for your children. Pray for your grandchildren. Pray for your work colleagues. We need to get the message out, guys. Because now I want you to come over to, um, let me see where I am with the slides, okay? I want you to come over to um, chapter 11 and verse 15 when the seventh angel sounds. So let's look at that final bullet. The seventh um, angel sounds the trumpet, and it's the kingdom of God and of his Christ. And that is just amazing. I remember we used to sing a chorus. Now, this is really going back. Now I'm challenging everybody. I don't think you'll remember this one. (laughs) But we used to sing, um, the kingdoms of our God and of his Christ. Um, and uh, 
they will live forever and ever. <laughs> Something along those lines. It was a big chorus. We used to have this very, very stompy, solemn, holy bit. And then we'd have a cha-cha-cha-cha-cha-cha-cha bit. You know, and then a boom diddy boom diddy boom sort of thing. And it was just this, the kingdoms of our God and of his Christ, they will reign forever and ever. Stop laughing at me in the front row. (laughs) Oh my goodness, guys. But this is the amazing bit. Verse 19. The temple of God in heaven was opened And the ark of his covenant appeared in his temple, and there were flashes of lightning and sounds and peals of thunder and an earthquake and a great hailstorm. Guys, that is incredible stuff. So now we're going to have to shoot through the rest of the slides, okay? Because that was the glimpse of the heavenly tabernacle when that seventh trumpet was sounded. And what's the lineup? So now let's go to that next. Yes, there it is there. The sign of the Son of Man. I started with that, this little section. Because I wanted you to see that Jesus prophesied it. And then John sees it in the Revelation. It's amazing. Amazing. And then I just love the next slide. Because there's the angel. And that's chapter 24 and verse 31. The angel shouting that trumpet. Well, I say shouting the trumpet. Blowing the trumpet. And all of the elect coming through from all the four corners of the earth. Wonderful stuff. And we could go down a whole route there. Amen. But then look at that beautiful slide. I know these are, I've taken them off the internet, um, where, where I have to put a name in. I do put a name in. I love that one because it's raw. Do you know what I mean? It's fire. And it's just, behold that white horse. So let's go to Revelation 19, just so that you can see where to find it. Revelation 19, because some of this is going to have to be homework. I can see it. And um, what it shows us there is just this amazing um, passage. I saw heaven opened. Behold, a white horse. He sat on it called faithful and true. In righteousness, he judges and wages war. We're not talking about gentle Jesus here. We're talking about Jesus Christ, the Lord of all. Amen. He's clothed with a robe dipped in blood because of judgment, guys. And his name is called the Word of God, so we know it's Jesus. And his armies, which are in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, were following him on white horses. From his mouth comes a sharp sword. That's the Word of God, okay? And um, it says, he will strike down the nations. He'll rule them with a rod of iron. He treads the wine press of the fierce wrath of God the Almighty, hence the blood on his robe. You see, we're only used to seeing Jesus in a white robe walking the Sea of Galilee. Okay. And then it says, it says here, um, and on his robe and on his thigh, two places, he has a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. The first time I ever heard what I would call a Christian pop song. Okay, so now that just to, just to, so that you know what I mean. Okay, this girl was singing, and just before she started to sing, she spoke about Jesus, and she said, "I've had so many disappointments." It reminds me of that song that you've got with the Overcomer, but so many disappointments. And she said, "And then I found my prince." Oh, 
and she used to go into the woods. Now, we don't have to go into the woods to do this, okay? We can do it right here. <laughs> can do it in our bedrooms. We can do it outside there on that pavement. I've done that many times before. I did that coming into church. The light was against me, so I just began to sing in tongues. And, you know, so wherever you are, you can just begin to worship your prince, your king, your lord. Amen. And you see, guys, again, we're not restrained. We are the temple of God. We are the church of God. We are the tabernacle of God. Why can I say that? Because we are tabernacling the Holy Spirit within us. Amen. Individually. We are the living stones tabernacling the Holy Spirit. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Now, we've got to see the next slide because the next slide is the more traditional one. There's Jesus. They've got a whole red robe. It should be white with the red from the um, stamping. Yes, the actual um, unrighteous um, and the blood that came through. All right. So that is uh, pointing us to the next. Now, I'm just going to show you slides. So in the next slide, we are talking about what are the judgments. It's the Bema Seat judgment, and that's still Revelation chapter 19. It's the Bema Seat judgment for all those who, no, it's 20, sorry, for all those who know Jesus, verses 4 to 6. This is a case of we are saved by the blood of Christ. We come before the Bema Seat, and we are checked in the scales. And then the next is, so our names are written in the book of life. The next is the great white throne judgment. And, and guys, again, I've got one of those crazy little graphics of mine where there's the great white throne and supposedly the Shekinah glory streaming forth from the throne. So those are the little lines. And then you can just see the mob. And on the right-hand side there, I've got the book of life. And it says clearly in chapter 20, if your name is not written in the book of life, the books were opened, verse 12, and, um, and, uh, which is the book of life, and the dead were judged from the things which were written in the books according to their deeds. So you see, it's, it's objective. It's not a subjective thing. Does the Lord like you or not? It's an objective thing. Have you acknowledged Jesus? Are you saved by his blood? And secondly, what are your deeds? You know, and uh, it, it, it helps us to have an incredibly healthy um, fear of the Lord. And then just briefly, I want you to look at the Feast of Tabernacles because that's what's coming. Remember, it's, it starts in this coming week, okay? And this is the abiding. And, and I just wanted us to see some of the prophecies. So we've dealt with them because Jesus said, be thirsty, rivers of living water. And if you're in the back of your Bible by now, 22 starts with, um, he showed me a river of the water of life flowing. See, so we, we're looking at the heavenly tabernacle, and we're saying, in the heavenly tabernacle, we're going to see this river of life flowing. How amazing, because um, it stops us thinking small and makes us think heavenly, okay? And then, the, that, so that was the fulfillment, and then the next is, um, we find Jesus um, saying and teaching about the Holy Spirit. So under the first coming um, in John chapter 14, Jesus and 15 and 16 and 17, there are verses. You've got to cherry pick them out. 
I have shared them with you before about the abiding presence of Christ and how he abides within us, you see. And then the fulfillment of that is actually um, in 1 John 2, it speaks of, John, John said, you know the anointing because he lives within you. And he's speaking of the Holy Spirit, you see. And then thirdly and finally, um, Jesus spoke. So um, under the first coming, I'm down to the third bullet now. Just keep going. And you will see that Jesus actually, um, that was the final thing that he said to them. Um, at the Last Supper, he said, do this in remembrance of me. And he shared the bread and he shared the wine. And that's what we do faithfully. And we're going to do that right now. But I got really excited, guys, because Feast of Tabernacles is about harvest. So I got a hold of Cynthia last week, and I said to her, Cynthia, we need a cake. We've got to celebrate. We need to celebrate next week. In, I know it's in anticipation of the Feast of Tabernacles coming, and I just thought, how do we all celebrate? Well, we usually get around a bit of old cake, okay? And so I need a really strong person to go and fetch the cake. Yes, Emmanuel, thank you. It's over there next to the urn, Bruce. And I'm, I want him, I need desperately for somebody like Martin to take a photo of that so that I can have a photo of it. Because I just, I left it with Cynthia and she said, you know, I said to her, get creative. I, I just shared one or two things with her and I said, just whatever God gives you to create, do it. And so... Um, I'm going to ask Emmanuel to show it to the front few rows here and then just to walk around the church because I want you to see, isn't that beautiful? Okay, so just move through and just make sure that you all see it because we're not, you know, true Christians, eh? We're not just going to look at this thing. We're going to eat it. That's why if you want to take a photo, you need to take it. So first of all, we are going to share the Lord's Supper, and then we're going to go and eat cake. (laughs) And every single crumb that we eat, we are going to say, Lord Jesus, come. Amen. Oh, amen. We believe you've really enjoyed this message. For further information, visit www.commonwealthchurch.org and feel free to join us on any Sunday.